Hey everyone, welcome back to the Into the Adultverse podcast. Uh, today's episode is on imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome is a pretty personal topic to both Damien and I. It's something that's really affected both of our lives, and I, I definitely myself, especially being someone in tech and you know breaking into this field without having a CS background and things like that. So today's episode is mostly a heart to heart where we talk about you know our experiences with imposter syndrome and kind of you know tips we have for people dealing with it and you know just stories uh, on that topic so hope you guys enjoy the episode and see you on the flip side all right welcome back everybody to the into the adult verse podcast another heart-to-heart conversation today um and you know we've been getting a lot of messages from you guys and you guys seem to really appreciate us taking a dive into some of these topics that you know not as many people are talking about um, we tend mm-hmm. to only see the, you know, like we mentioned before in the podcast too, you only really see the highlights that people post about their lives. And we don't really see the struggles that happen behind closed doors. So here's to opening up a bit. Here's to being vulnerable. And hopefully this can provide you a, a little bit, a bit, a little bit of a benchmark to relate to. You're not alone in this. Plenty of us are uh, kind of going through the struggle together. And it's not just us, you know, these young kids out here um, in the breaking into the like, new industries, breaking into careers for the first time. It's also your heroes. You know, like one remarkably intelligent, accomplished individual that everyone regards and reveres kind of as the pinnacle of intelligence. And mm-hmm. Albert Einstein has also been uh, a proponent of uh like discussing or like making open the the issue of imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. he once said the exaggerated esteem in which my life work is held makes me very ill at ease i feel compelled to think of myself as an involuntarily involuntary swindler and this is einstein saying that wow you know like that's like that's like he's literally colloquially known as a genius like whenever somebody wants a human example of what genius is mm-hmm. it's always einstein you know like good mm-hmm. job einstein yeah and, and he, even he like even he was riddled with doubt yeah i love how you mentioned that i love how it's like it, it's not just people who are like starting on in the industry it's people who have been in the industry for years and years and you know have achieved success quote unquote whatever conventional success is that still mm-hmm. have these feelings. And we'll talk a little bit about that natural genius archetype um, a little bit later. But yeah, I don't know. Like one thing I just want to open with is like, yeah, everybody feels imposter syndrome. I feel imposter syndrome. I feel imposter syndrome a little bit more now than I did before as I've gotten, mm-hmm. you know, quote unquote, more successful. Because now I just, I keep meeting people who are like, wow, I feel inferior to you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Have you ever had a conversation with someone and you're like, wow, like in every way, shape and form, you're just superior to me. Like I fully admit defeat. Have you ever had those? Yeah, yeah. No, I have those yeah, quite I've definitely often. run into people like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've been having those more and more often recently, and I think there's. A, well, we'll talk about like mindset shifts you can do to like kind of help combat that. But uh, one other thing that I wanted to start off with is, um, and sort of just like an interesting thing because I think imposter syndrome is a personal topic, but there's actually been some good research done into it. Surprisingly, um, particularly by this woman named Dr. Valerie Young. Um, she's actually an expert on imposter syndrome and she has written a really good book. I haven't read it, although it's been recommended to me before. It's called The Secret Thoughts of Successful Women, Why Capable People Suffer from the Imposter Syndrome and How to Thrive in Spite of It. 
So Dr. Young has done decades of research mm-hmm. on, you know, imposter syndrome and similar related concepts. And basically, like she's identified five different archetypes, so to speak, that kind of outline uh, what categories of imposter syndrome people fall into. So the five categories are number one, the perfectionist. Number two, the superwoman slash man. Number three, the natural genius. Number four, the soloist. And number five, the expert. And so we'll go into each of these um, archetypes in turn. But pretty much like the focus of her book um, is about how especially women who are very successful tend to feel like because, you know, because of a combination of factors, because there's not a lot of women in the roles that they're in, because they don't have a lot of like role models to look up to, because society doesn't expect women to have, you know, the same confidence or same talents. Um, we like especially successful women often suffer from imposter syndrome. So, yeah, mm-hmm. we'll go into that framework. But, yeah, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that sort of intro I gave. The well, the the thought that came to my head was kind of just at the tail end of that with how kind of how society's expectations influence the way that they think and like act and mm-hmm. navigate that world. It just made me think about how there was I can't remember his name, but there was this uh, guy who was born blind. Right. Mm-hmm. And society just is like kind of views blind people like i mean they are technically handicapped but Mm -hmm. they view them as just kind of incapable of going through life on their own like Mm -hmm. we need to help them out like as much as possible provide them as many resources as possible and kind of hold their hand through everything right Mm -hmm. basically he so he was born blind and his mom didn't want him to kind of live like that Mm -hmm. she wanted to help instill the sense of independence in him Mm -hmm. so she kind of um, I don't want to say force, but like she kind of pushed him towards doing things, uh, doing things on his own. Mm-hmm. And you know, like long story short, he eventually built up certain uh, strategies to be able to help uh, himself navigate the world despite mm-hmm. his disability. Yeah, and he even got to a point where so he uses basically echolocation. He taught himself echolocation to be able to, yeah, to be able to just go around and even ride bikes. Mm-hmm. Like he does this, like he's appeared on some talk shows and he just amazing. rides a bike around the wow, studio what? despite that, right? That's amazing, yeah. And he's even set up like in his own like school or like foundation now to help other blind people basically build up that sense of independence in themselves mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And this is all because the like his mom wanted to break the mold with that. Mm-hmm. She didn't want to let like society's accommodation of um, like a lack of independence in them influence the way he lived life mm-hmm. he, she wanted him to be his own person despite that and yeah. i think i think that's like remarkable that's super inspiring uh, it's a bit of a side note yeah shout yeah. out moms bro moms are the best without my mom, mom i would be less than nothing i would be 100 i would be a rock bro literally nothing you wouldn't yeah. even be born yeah. yeah i mean yes that that's literally <laughs> true but also figuratively true um all right so how about we dive into those Let's archetypes? Do it. Yeah, so the five archetypes were the perfectionist, the superwoman, the natural genius, the soloist, and the expert. And the first one I want to dive into is the perfectionist because I've actually been victim to this you know, archetype quite often. And so a little bit of a side too, actually, one of our goals with this podcast was to kind of move away, or definitely a personal goal of mine, and I know Damien expressed similar thoughts, was to move away from that perfectionist archetype of like, especially with things you release into the world, whether they be creative works or, you know, projects that you work on or something like that. Um, Something I always suffered from was like self-doubt and like, you know, uh, really focusing on getting something super, super polished before putting it out. And what that ends up doing is it ends up harming you more than it helps you because uh, what ends up happening is 
you don't get to release as often, you don't get to iterate as often, you don't actually get to get better at something because you're so worried about putting out that first thing that's perfect and then that second thing that's perfect that you never get to the 20th thing, right? And so um, with this podcast especially, we have made mistakes. Actually, funny story, we made a mistake today uh, editing an episode. <laughs> um, and, you know, that happens and it's totally all right. And one of the goals for this podcast was for me to like try and move away from that that perfectionist mindset. But basically um, the book outlines that perfectionists set excessively high goals for themselves and when they fail to reach that goal they experience a lot of self-doubt and they worry about measuring it up Um, so whether they realize it or not this group also tends to be control freaks feeling like if they want something done right they have to do it themselves and so you know what ends up happening is that you feel the sense of imposter syndrome because what you think success is is so unbelievably high achieving that um, mm-hmm. you never feel like you quite reach there, right? Because the expectations you set for yourself are so high. Um, and mm-hmm. so you always think that you're not good enough. You always think that you don't really deserve to be there. Um, and so, yeah, I've definitely been a part of this group before. I think I've, you know, identified some strategies that um, have helped to kind of like temper this. And I think some of those are really focusing on owning my achievements and rewarding myself. So one way that I do that, actually, and I've done that really recently, I just bought my first Louis Vuitton piece, is um, rewarding <laughs> myself flex. after internships um, and or before internships or after a job offer or something like that. Um, I'm yeah. a s- big believer in personal gift giving, like giving gifts to yourself. Um, mm-hmm. I bought my first Margiela piece after I got um, my Twitter internship and then my end goal or my end gift to myself after all my internships <laughs> was Louis V. And it's like, I'm not spending that much money on it, like $200, $300, but it's still like, something where i'm like you know i like i wouldn't buy this unless i had achieved something that i was really proud of right um Mm. and that's really really helped me personally like i i don't really believe in buying nice things for myself unless i do that maybe that's kind of toxic actually maybe i i should stop tying myself worth to that but i do think that you know like the act of giving yourself a gift helps you slow down and really say like hey like i think i deserve this now like i think i've accomplished something that's really admirable um, whether or not it's admirable to other people, it's admirable to myself. And I want to mm-hmm. like reward myself for doing that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, how have you found that it's, I don't know if you've felt the effects of it yet, perhaps in this way, but kind of, have you felt any toxic, perhaps repercussions of those strategies you've implemented? Like for example, rewarding yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Has it ever come to a point where it's almost maladaptive where, you know, something goes wrong and to kind of like hype yourself up or to kind of boost yourself back up into a more positive state you end up buying yourself something like do you feel like you get diminishing returns from it or yeah that's a really good question actually um personally i don't feel like i do i've been lucky enough that i I actually think i do the opposite like when i'm not doing well i stop buying things for myself completely i'm like i don't deserve Mm -hmm. anything until like i start doing well again and like right yeah like i stop eating out until like i'm not gonna ruin myself until like I finish this piece of code and then I'm going to like eat out and like make sure I, I reward myself. And so, yeah, okay. I think I've had actually the opposite experience. Um, although I wouldn't say that that's not maladaptive, right? Like that, that could be bad too, because what, what ends up happening and I discussed this with a friend previously as well is you start um, like not doing things that you should do or that you should deserve because you're waiting for that next goal, right? You're tying mm-hmm you know, life experiences or like important things or having fun to like only success, right? So I can know some people who like won't even eat until they like finish their homework or something like that, right? And that's unhealthy. That's not like, that's not a reward. That's just like a basic need that you have, right? Um, And so things like that, I think 
that's where it could get maladaptive. But luckily, I haven't fallen to the other side. A little bit of an aside, actually. So one of the ways I got into stocks is because um, I use Robinhood and Robin has great animations and things when you buy stuff. And I started realizing that I was spending a lot of money on like clothes and things like that, that were like, you know, give me like the rush of buying something. And so I actually replaced that rush of buying something new with the, like the rush of buying a stock. Cause it's still like mm-hmm. an item you're buying, you know, it's like a company's share and you still feel ownership over it. And you're like excited cause you're doing research before. Like, I don't know if you do this, but mm-hmm. I do hella research before I buy anything, like insane amount of research. Like I like Google everything. I watch unboxing videos yeah. before I choose something. Right. And so basically I would replace that with the research for a stock and then I'd buy the stock and I'd feel like, wow, I bought something, but it was like a good yeah. thing. Right. Because you know, it appreciates in value. It's good for your savings, blah, blah, blah. So yeah. um, that's in, that's one way in which I combat the feeling that you gave that you just mentioned, but yeah. By replacing it with like a gambling addiction. <laughs> I mean, I like to think it's a little bit more educated than blackjack, but you know, maybe it's not, yeah. maybe it's not. <laughs> no, no, for real though. It's, you know, it, it's a very interesting rush you get from, like investing versus like doing other things or at least like watching your investments appreciate or depreciate and you're like damn i made a wrong bet or a bad bet with that one or like conversely if you got into something early like could you imagine like having gotten into bitcoin early or like anything that just significantly appreciated value or like you were in spotify before joe rogan signed that deal amazing or like any of those things right like i would i would catch so much of a high off of that i would not want to stop yeah, it's so it's, it's a scary thing. Yeah, yeah. you just got to temper it out with some lows, I guess. Oh, speaking of Bitcoin, Bitcoin is the number one highest performing asset of the last decade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty incredible. Which is, yeah. I, I think that it speaks to the the future of cryptocurrency. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, as like, yeah, honestly, like, I feel like it, it might eventually even replace like a fiat currency. We'll I see. really hope we'll see so. What happens, I, I recently, so I used to be a skeptic of, of blockchain and things like that, but I recently yeah. read the landmark paper that uh like the original bitcoin paper and right. oh my god it's literally a work of art especially if you're like into computer science it's it's a work of 100%. art it's not even like it's groundbreaking i think it's one of the most important human thoughts to come across like in, in history but anyways we will get into that later maybe we'll do an episode on our yeah, blockchain thoughts let's bring it back to imposter track. syndrome um yeah so like i mentioned you know gifting yourself is a good way of doing that owning your achievements um and cultivating that self-confidence but uh why don't we get into the second um actually before we dive into yeah, that sure. i actually had like one more strategy for that um it to overcome that sense of like perfectionism or like setting these crazy goals for yourself that you may not even end up achieving yeah is systems versus outcome like mindset or like mm-hmm. system versus outcome mm-hmm. mentality mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it um it basically with setting like goals for yourself that's an outcome based um system and or an outcome based mindset and y- Basically, you have this end goal in sight, but you don't really have the appropriate structure, perhaps, in order to like achieve it. And you may end up faltering, um, not being able to achieve your goals sufficiently, or maybe you might achieve it and kind of that's it. That's the end of the story, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. With um, a system-based process, well, sorry, I keep changing up the terminology. Let's well, see cool processes, yeah. So with system-based processes, basically you're focused on, as it sounds like, the system that you implement in order to achieve those things. Mm-hmm. So the reason why I'm a proponent of system-based thinking or processes is that basically you implement this like recursive process of learning and refining your process to a point where you get so good at like doing this thing where you open up the potential for 
not just that one goal you had in place, but X number of other goals or like X number of other mm-hmm. junctions along that point. There's and no you ceiling. might even, yeah. there's no ceiling, exactly. And you might even do better than the goal that you had in place, right? Mm-hmm. So goal setting might actually be limiting mm-hmm. after a certain point. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, system-based processes might actually be a fantastic way to overcome that and open up other doors that you may have otherwise have closed off for yourself because you were so fixated on this one endpoint that you wanted to achieve. Definitely, yeah. And just yeah. to touch on that, like a, a good example of that is like fitness, right? So is your goal like a weight or like to have abs, right? Or is your goal to go to the gym four times a day? Or sorry, four mm-hmm. times a week, not four times a day. Don't do that. That's not safe. <laughs> um, or is your goal to, you know, like become a runner, right? Somebody who regularly runs marathons, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Versus like somebody who like wants to run one marathon at the specific time, right? Those are mm-hmm. systems versus like specific goals and and i think fitness is one area of my life in which i've benefited immensely from that like i don't have a goal weight you know i do want a six pack but that maybe that'll happen a little later i need to stop eating um cheese steaks at night um and um yeah i think that's one area of life in which that's really really evident um yeah so great thought thank you for saying that and let's dive into the second classification so the yes, superwoman slash man so basically these, the people in this category are convinced they're phonies among real deal colleagues. They often push themselves to work harder and harder to measure up. But uh, in reality, that's just a cover up for their insecurities. And the work overload harms not only them, but mm. their relationships with others as well. So mm-hmm. you this applies to you if you stay later at the office than the rest of your team, even past the point that you've completed the day's work. Um, if you get stressed when you're not working and found downtime completely wasteful, oh shit, I feel attacked. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> Have you, le- if you le- leave your hobbies and passions, um, uh, by the side and sacrifice them for work. Um, and if you feel like you haven't truly earned your title, despite your g- degrees and your achievements and your jobs. Burnout. That's the first word that came to my head. Yeah. Um, as you're kind of going through that, mm-hmm. what a, what a quick road to burnout. Um, and yeah, it's very evident how, your, not only your relationship with yourself, but with others can really get harmed along the way mm-hmm. um, to that. Well, how hmm, how do you overcome that? Like, What, what would be yeah. a good strategy for that? Yeah, I think I'm definitely guilty of this. Um, I've said to friends and I've said to myself that I like stress, you know. I, I like stress. I like being stressed out. I actually, um, and this is kind of personal, but I'll share it anyways. Like through like first to third year-ish, and actually still sometimes, I used to get hella anxiety when I woke up late, extreme anxiety, mm-hmm. like anxiety attacks. Like I would, if I woke up at like 11 on a Saturday, I would like start, like my heart would start beating fast. Like I'd feel like I wasted three hours of the day. Like I, like I'm super worthless. Like I should have done something with that three hours, blah, blah, blah. And I still kind of feel that sometimes. I'm not going to lie. Like I haven't fully solved this, but um, I think one of the self-realizations that I've made is that, you know, it's not that I'm addicted to work. It's that I, I'm addicted to the validation that I get from work right with work there's like easy easy like indicators that you're good you're good you know what i mean like you're doing a good job right as in like you push more code than the other person right you get that promotion quicker you get that internship like it's easy to validate yourself with work right versus in your Mm -hmm. personal life like if you're at the beach like what's a measure of a good day at the beach right like how Mm -hmm. how do you grade yourself and like i've really struggled to grade myself on things that are personal and like downtime because there aren't really gradings for that like what's the best day at the beach like you know, like, what does that mean? Right. And so, um, I'm, yeah, this is a little personal, but like, I'm still trying to work on that. Like I, I still like 
you know, try not to sleep in. I still feel like shit when I sleep in because like I feel really guilty about it. Um, but I think, mm-hmm. um, definitely just like, you know, slowing down, appreciating things and also just like being aware that it's an issue for you. Right. And then personally taking time out of your day to like unwind. Um, and then mm-hmm. also, um, another strategy that I'll mention and, I'd love to hear your thoughts on all these other things that I mentioned too. But another strategy I think is really taking constructive criticism, like not personally, but like in regards to your work. And so what I mean by that is like, you know, when you don't measure up, like don't say like, oh, it's because I'm a bad person. And like, I'm my value as a person is like changed by this. It's like, no, my value as an employee might be a little changed, but as a person, Mm -hmm. I'm still just as good. Right. And I can become Mm -hmm. a better employee, but I don't need to change everything else about my life. Like I don't need to like change my diet in order to become a better employee, you know? I can still enjoy my diet and become a better employee, and I can keep those separate. Being open to it definitely is a step forward in the right direction, and it's hard sometimes, and we were kind of talking about this uh, before we started recording, but Mm -hmm. a lot of people, they tend to sugarcoat, and it's not really conducive to growth, right? But Mm -hmm. most people really aren't willing to take constructive criticism when it comes their way because it's just viewed as just strictly criticism. Mm Mm-hmm you need that growth mindset to be able to take that with a grain of salt and like again constructive criticism that comes your way may not really be like prudent Mm -hmm. advice to follow and you had to be able to maintain equanimity in order to make that judgment call Mm -hmm. i love that word equanimity do you want to explain it for people who maybe don't know equanimity is basically peace of mind almost in order to be able to make un unbiased un not emotionally charged decisions Mm -hmm. So that, yeah, you're making choices or decisions uh, in your rational your most state. logical, rational state yeah. of mind. Yeah. yeah. Great word. Um, yeah. Yeah. Beautiful word. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I love, yeah. I love words, man. Words are great. Um, all right. The third archetype is the natural genius archetype. And this goes back to our conversation about Einstein in the beginning of this. But um, basically, the uh, man, I feel so attacked by so many of these, but... Um, people with this competence type <laughs> believe they need to be a natural genius. As such, they judge their competence based on ease and speed as opposed to effort. In other words, if they take a long time to yes. master something, they feel shame. Um, yep. So they these people also set their bar super hard, just like perfectionists, but uh, they don't they don't judge themselves based on ridiculous expectations. They judge themselves on getting things right on the first try. And when they can't do something quickly or fluently, i.e. they're not like a natural at something, they start feeling like they're not worth it. And so, dude, I have a lot to say on this, but I actually feel like I don't fall into this category anymore, which is something I'm very, very proud of. And it wasn't easy. Like I had to read a lot of books. I had to have difficult conversations with myself and with other people and like, you know, really, really analyze myself. And I feel like I don't fall into this category anymore, but I definitely did. I used to be that kid in high school and I'm so ashamed of saying this, but I used to be that kid in high school that would say, Oh, I got a 95, but I slept, I like, I studied for one hour and this guy got a 98, but he studied for six hours. So I'm actually smarter than him. And that's super dumb. That means nothing in, in any world and any measure of success (laughs) that, that literally means nothing because you got a lower mark and you put in less effort. So you obviously didn't care as much about it, you know? Uh, so you have Mm -hmm. worse work ethic and worse grades, right? Which is doubly bad. Um, yeah, there's a lot of really good work on this, um, in like, especially by, uh, mindset by Carol Dweck, uh, which talks about the growth mm-hmm. mindset and focusing on, um, you know, focusing on like hard work versus like natural intelligence or natural ability. Because to be honest, there's no such thing as natural intelligence and natural ability. There are some factors in human development that contribute to people, but you really think evolution prepared somebody to be a world class soccer player? 
Like, you think natural selection determined that he was going to play soccer? Like, natural selection occurs over eons. It doesn't occur within the 100 years that soccer has existed as a sport, right? And so, yes, there's mm-hmm. things like, you know, a little bit better coordination. Maybe uh, he's a little taller so he can run faster. Or, like, you know, maybe his short twitch muscle fibers take a little bit less oxygen. But, like, nobody is born an amazing soccer player. That's a lot of hard work. And there's no such thing as a natural genius. 100%. Man, I was definitely very much in this category too up until recently Mm -hmm. i guess you had your little moment of vulnerability so i'll have mine now yeah but i man i wanted to be special my entire life Mm you know like i wanted to be this person i wanted to be that natural genius and like again like growing up like i heard from my parents all the time right oh you're so smart whatever Mm -hmm. you get good grades uh keep it up you can do this you know Mm -hmm. whatever blah 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 and again, like more so praising the outcome rather than the 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 um, systems that had implemented Process, in place, yeah. exactly, and that made me not care about the, that the process. I just wanted it to be easy to get that outcome, mm-hmm. and exactly with what you were saying and how like what what describes this um, this archetype. I wanted things to just come my way without having to work for it. Mm-hmm. And I wanted that to be, I wanted other people to see that. And you look down and on I people wanted, who work for it. Yeah. 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 Cause like, you know, you, you're not as smart as I am. Yeah. You, you, you have to work for what you got. I didn't like, that's such a toxic like mindset, horrible, right? Horrible, man. Yeah. And I've gotten comfortable now with recognizing that, you know, I'm an average dude. Like, again, I've said this before, but like, I'm the top of the bell curve, like super normal average dude. And honestly, I think that's a superpower now mm-hmm. because now I can take things. Like I view things through a completely different light. I don't have that pressure in place in order for everything to come naturally to me. And I don't have to appear intelligent to everybody else. Mm-hmm. I can be, I can come approach things with, from a place of learning, acknowledging mm-hmm. that I am average. Mm-hmm. And because of that, like I'm not going to get everything on the first try. I'm not going to like understand everything that comes my way. And I'm more willing to uh, ask for help now. I'm more willing to acknowledge that I am struggling with something and maybe I need to take a break. Mm-hmm. And I've been able to be a lot more compassionate with myself through acknowledging that as well. Mm-hmm. So like you said, it's a hard conversation to have, but you got to sit down and have this conversation with yourself or with like a close friend or mm-hmm. anyone that you can really confide in and know mm-hmm. that you can have that heart to heart with. They'll have that honest conversation with you as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think, like you mentioned, I think family and upbringing is very, very central to this. Like in in Mindset by Carol Dweck, she discusses this a lot, but the way that your parents compliment you, the way that they encourage you, the way that they either praise your efforts or praise your talents, the way that they talk about other kids really, really influences your personal development with regards to this. And so actually, I would encourage you having this conversation with your parents, your family. I had this conversation with my sister and my mom. Um, because mm. I, I really believe my older sister also suffered from this. Um, and she is a natural at a lot of things. Like she's incredibly musically talented and things like that. Um, and grades always came easy to her ever since she was a young kid. Right. And so because of that, I think there were some unhealthy expectations built up and, you know, the language that my mom used sometimes when she was raising us, like alluded to this natural genius idea and praised yeah. our natural talents. And I'm like, I, I'm not like, 
absolving myself of responsibility but i definitely think there were influences in my family you know my grandpa's like a phd and so like there's like influences there it's like oh you're your grandpa's son like no that's that's not a thing like there's a, a lot of other genes mixed in since my grandpa right and <laughs> yeah. even if even if my grandpa's extremely intelligent my grandpa worked extremely hard for what he what he's accomplished right and so yeah that was something really hard for me to get over and i do recommend um, you know, maybe having that conversation with your parents, if you're, if you have a relationship like that with them, where you're open to maybe talk about with them, because you don't want to make those mistakes with kids you have. I really mm-hmm. like, it's something I'm really, really going to take forward. And there's a whole chapter in, in mindset by Carl Dweck that talks about how to raise kids with a growth, mi- growth mindset. And that's a make or break deal for me shorties out there. Like I have to raise my <laughs> kids with a growth mindset. I like, I refuse to do anything else. And even if you weren't raised with one, there's, it's something you can learn. It's something you can put into practice when you talk to your friends, when you talk to yourself, and when you reward yourself for hard work and not just being naturally good at something. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a, a prerequisite for all the future leaders and change makers, paradigm yeah. shifters. Like you got to be able to be willing to grow and adopt new ideas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I attribute sure. all my success to changing that mindset and like really focusing in on the work and being realizing that like wow. I need to work harder mm-hmm. because I'm not actually that smart, you know? Yeah. yeah. And like, even when you encounter those, those when you actually do encounter those natural geniuses, mm-hmm. it's there's no there's no hostile intent there. Mm-hmm. That you can actually genuinely have a conversation with them acknowledging that they are like smarter than you. Mm-hmm. Like they are the person that you kind of wanted to be back then. But mm-hmm. now that you can acknowledge that you're not that, that, that character, mm-hmm. you can... Man, you, there's so much learning that can happen there with that conver- just through having a conversation with them mm-hmm. versus, you know, if you did want to still fill into that archetype, mm-hmm. you're not going to be looking at that as a learning opportunity. That's a battle of intellectuals there at that point. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you're going to lose. You're yeah. going to lose straight out. Absolutely, you are. Yeah. Um, cool. I think we talked a lot about that. So let's move on to the next categorization. Mm-hmm. Uh, number four is called the soloist. Um so the soloist is someone who feels as though asking for help reveals their phoniness. And um, basically, it's people that firmly feel that they need to accomplish things on their own. They don't need anyone's help. Um, and mm. they frame requests in terms of like the requirements of projects and the requirements of like objective criteria rather than their needs as a person. And so um, basically, like, yeah, um, I actually... I would say like out of the categories we've talked about so far, I relate to this a little bit less, but I still do relate to it to an extent. Um, so yeah, like the concept of a soloist is just like somebody who like feels fiercely independent. Like they feel like they shouldn't rely on people. They shouldn't need to ask for help. Um, and I definitely have felt this, you know, to some extent financially. Um, so I, yeah, I guess I'm, since I'm being vulnerable, like whatever, um, I actually like pay for my own tuition and I have a lot of student debt because of it. Um, and it's one thing that I'm fiercely like independent about. Like I, I refuse to let my mom help me or my dad help me with, with tuition costs and things like that. Because I, mm-hmm. like, I genuinely feel like I need to accomplish it on my own. Like I need to do this thing on my own. And it's like part of my self-worth is tied to me doing this on my own. Um, and you know, that that's because of like financial situations in my family, but also because I think a little bit of a toxicity in the sense that like, it's, it's hard for me to accept help even when it's offered to me. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily I've been able to break that professionally like I have no shame in asking for help with a like, code and things like that uh, but I still think there's aspects of me that that I can overcome with it yeah yeah I think that it it's for me I think it's more situation dependent or like problem dependent like yeah. there's certain things where I feel like I just don't want to encumber them with that like the tuition fees is like a great example yeah. like I don't want to burden somebody else with 
um these financial like issues just because like i was struggling to pay them off yeah like that, that's like a unique problem to me but like if it's something like yeah like i'm like i'm picking up programming and like i'm stuck at a thing like at, at this problem then i i have no problem asking somebody for yeah. help with that yeah. yeah i think it's for sure like uh, an identity question too right like some people tie part of their identity to their independence in a certain like field like financial independence is a huge part of my identity i feel like I would be a very different person if I wasn't financially independent. And so because of that, I tend to mm-hmm. be overprotected, even to like a negative, right? Even when like I'm, I need some help and somebody offers me help in a financial way and I refuse the help because I'm like masochistic about it. Um, I think like there's definitely a role for me to kind of improve upon that in my life. Mm-hmm. In terms of strategies, yeah, I think it's just being aware of it. That, that Like self-awareness is a pow- very, very powerful tool. Encourage you all to journal about this if you do feel it at all. Um, but also just like one thing that helps me with this also is that if I had a friend who is me and he needed help on this, would I offer him help? And would I feel type of ways? Like, would I think he's less of a human being for accepting this help? No, I wouldn't. I would feel like whatever. He's my friend. He needs some help. He's a really great dude, but he just needs a little bit of help right now. And I would for sure Mm -hmm. do this for my friends. I would give them, you know, money if they needed it, like whatever. Right. And so like reframing it and seeing like, Hey, you know, would I be a good friend to myself? And thinking about it that way has really helped me to to kind of be a little bit less independent and like fiercely independent in that sense. Oh, and then one more point I want yes. to bring up with that. No one is actually independent. There's a really interesting video uh, by the creator of TED uh, where he, he does a video on like his cup of coffee, his morning cup of coffee. And he wants to say thanks to everyone that was involved in his morning cup of coffee, right? Oh, I so see So he thanks this, the yeah. people who grew it, the people who grinded it, the, the distributors, the truck driver, right? The airplane driver, like you know, the executives at the coffee company, like, you know, everything, mm-hmm. right? Every, the people who manufactured the cup, right? The people who like filtered the water, right? The people who like mined the fucking dam for the water, like whatever it is, right? And he tries to thank everyone who could like made it possible for him to have that morning cup of coffee. And it ends up being mm-hmm. an insane journey, like an insane amount of mm-hmm. people, so many thank yous, so much gratitude, right? And obviously gratitude is positive, blah, blah, blah. But like, I think a great learning from that too is that, no matter who you are, nobody's independent. You need to rely on th- literally thousands of people just to get your morning cup of coffee. And without that coffee, <laughs> I know you can't even function, right? So, like, <laughs> it's it's an illusion. Independence is an illusion. Like, we do we depend on so many different things, especially um, as we are right now in the world. So, yeah, so yeah. keep in mind. No, there's an interesting aside. Yeah, because I mean, yeah, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes that we don't even know, and this is completely. Or this is only tangentially related, but it's also a downside of like a global capitalistic society. Yeah. If every one of those people were pay- paid like a minimum wage, like we're paid over here, mm-hmm. your cup of coffee would cost like fifteen dollars, or like some inordinate amount yeah. of money just for uh, in order yeah. you, for you to enjoy it. Yeah. But yeah, so you have one more archetype. Yeah, yeah. Let's get to the last archetype. So the last archetype number five is called the expert. So basically, experts Ooh. measure their competence based on what and how much they know or can do. They believe they'll never know enough um, and they fear being exposed as inexperienced or unknowledgeable. So you might be an expert if you shy away from applying to job postings unless you meet every single educational requirement. Um, If you constantly seek out trainings or certifications because you think you need to improve your skills. Um, If you've been in your role for a long time, but you still feel like you don't know enough. Um, And if you like visibly cringe when somebody calls you an expert. Um, so I don't know if you relate to this personally, I actually don't relate to this one at all. Um, I like, I don't really have an interest in being an expert expert in one subject area. I, I, I think my natural state is to be more of a jack of all trades. 
Um, and maybe that'll mm-hmm. change. Maybe I'll find a niche that I, I really believe I need to make an impact in and need to become a subject matter expert in. But for right now, I'm very happy with like, you know, utilizing my myriad of skills in a way that allows me to be most effective at what I do, what, 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 whatever that is. Um, so I don't know. Do you, do you relate to this at all? Um, yeah, me, honestly, I don't really as well, but it's, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like this one might be almost a mix of, or not really necessarily a mix, but it, like, I hear kind of um, semblances of uh, the Superman or Superwoman in trying to like work yourself in order to catch up to it and a bit of mm-hmm. the, I guess, the natural genius as well. Mm-hmm. So it seems like this one's a bit of like a hybrid of some of the other um, imposter classifications. Yeah, yeah, you might be right. I think there's a lot of overlap between all these categories for sure. Um, mm. uh, yeah, I, I would be interested to read the book and see kind of like what, how this is different from others. But I think it's definitely like a, like maybe like a saddest thing. Like once you become an expert and maybe we just haven't reached it because we're too young in our career, but like once you become a quote unquote expert, like I guess there's a lot of insecurity that people feel in terms of like being an imposter in that scenario. Like they feel mm. like they're not actually an expert because there's still things they don't know. But like an important thing to realize is that even the people who are experts, like still don't know things. Like I actually had, I felt this lesson really hard recently at Twitter because so I joined my team and somebody else also joined the team as a senior engineer about two weeks after I started. And uh, everyone else on the team has been there for at least a year, right? So they know a lot about the team, a lot about what the team works on, you know, a lot of the problems that come up, they've had familiarity with, right? They've worked in the same language, the same code base with the same people for about uh, over a year. Some of them have worked for like two or three years, right? And so Mm -hmm. um, everybody's kind of like an expert, right? And so he's a senior engineer and he's an industry hire, right? So he's like very experienced as a software engineer, like four or five years of experience, like at good companies and stuff like that. Um, he actually went to Berkeley as well. So, you know, he's like well-educated and stuff like that. He had a good CS education. Um, and uh, before he came, I was like really scared of asking some questions in team meetings because I was like, wow, like feels like everybody knows all this stuff. Like I'm not going to ask about this because, um, you know, like everyone knows about it. It's just a waste of time to ask it. So instead, I'm just going to like, ask in slack or later on or i'm just gonna like google things or like i'll find a document on it and read up on it instead um and when he came he was a lot more confident in who he was and his status as an as a senior engineer so he was actually pretty shameless in asking about some of these things he was like hey you know my team used to do it this way but i actually don't know how you guys do this so like would you be able to explain and he was very outspoken Mm -hmm. about asking some of these questions and that really 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 inspired me to kind of um, you know, take my learning into my own hands and, and feel a little bit more confident asking because I'm like, hey, you know, if this guy has a question about it and he's been working as a senior engineer for like three, four years, like it's totally okay for me to ask it too, right? So just a little bit of an aside on that. Yeah, yeah no, again, like it's not just like the novices or people brand new to industry. It's people who have been in it for a hell of time. Mm-hmm. They're full of doubts too. And like, again, they, they're not this all-knowing, wise um, just say just figure mm-hmm. you know th- there's normal people just like you and just like you they have doubts about everything mm-hmm. but yeah so I guess like just some kind of closing thoughts on like imposter syndrome as a whole mm-hmm. I think it's important that because you get into this loop of negative thoughts and I think it's important to try and disrupt that chain of negative thought and ask yourself like why do I deserve to be here mm-hmm. and the only reason why you know, you'd be feeling that is because, first of all, other people saw some potential in you. And the problem is that you may not see that potential in yourself 
just yet. Because we, you know, we, we compare ourselves to others. Mm-hmm. And we oftentimes just see other people who are a product of years of experience that they have on us. Mm-hmm. And we only see that final product. And, you know, you can't possibly expect you to match up to them when you're severely lacking in that. Mm-hmm. Like, you need to put in the groundwork first in order to get to that point. Mm-hmm. So there's no need for you to feel pressured to, in order to measure up to that. Mm-hmm. And we need a new benchmark. Like, they can't be your benchmark for success. Mm-hmm. Like, we need an intrinsic, like, inward-facing benchmark in order to keep ourselves going. And you have to realize that regardless of where you are in your journey, there's still tons of space to keep learning. Mm-hmm. There's still plenty of room for growth, and every new person that you encounter will show you that. Yeah. Like everyone knows a little bit of something that you don't. So keep your mind open to that. Yeah, that's a beautiful quote and yeah. a beautiful like way to close the episode. And yeah, just to continue on that note, like we said this before in the episode, but everyone you think is an expert, is amazing at something, is successful probably thinks that they're not successful you know probably thinks that they still have a lot to learn they still don't know that much they still have people that they look up to that are way superior to them so maybe you should stop comparing yourselves on like one little pinprick metric uh against somebody else like oh he's so much better at lead code than i am he's so much better at you know like uh, jumping than i am whatever it is if you're an athlete right and like really take Mm -hmm. a step back and evaluate yourself holistically and say you know i have great friendships i have this going for me i have that going for me i still have so much time to learn and take it as a growing opportunity and be like yeah like you know he is better than me at this or um you know maybe they're a little bit like better at doing this but there's a lot of things that i do well and i'm excited to learn from them and get better at doing this because you know if i can do that too then i'll be you know not an imposter anymore and (laughs) yeah it's a never-ending journey so just keep doing it keep improving and never think that you don't belong because you definitely do yeah and you know if there's if you're still kind of feeding for a little more content similar to this a little more heart to heart uh definitely check out i think it was episode five which was feeling behind i can't remember if it was five or not but yeah like one of our early episodes with feeling behind in life um we touch on some similar um topics as well and it's it, it keeps that heart to heart going so definitely check that out if you haven't done that yet Mm-hmm. Yeah. you have any final thoughts no that's about it um stay beautiful you know think of something you're grateful for today and think about someone who you think is really really doing amazingly in life and then think about you know mm-hmm. what they were like 20 years ago or you know what they're like when they're taking a shit on the toilet and and, and really <laughs> put them in their place you know because you deserve to be there too yeah, yeah. and even remember even einstein thought that he was fooling everyone he didn't feel like he belonged in that. He didn't fit that role of genius. So keep grinding and keep believing in yourself. Keep loving yourself and be grateful. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Follow us yeah, on LinkedIn. Peace and love. Comment on our posts. You know, share our posts if you feel inclined. And see you guys in the next episode. Yes, sir. All right. I'm going to stop.